station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie, what do we want to say? Big Mur- Mama. Big Mama. Big Mama. Big, <laughs> big Mama. Yes. Melissa Kirscher. Hello. And we are also joined by somebody new to our podcast. We're going to call her uh, our movie uh, prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alexis Callen. Hi, Alexis. Hi there. Good to be here. Good. Thanks. Okay, so the movie we are watching today is Chicago. And uh, Alexis, you have never seen Chicago, correct? No, I haven't. Okay, so now you need to do the really important thing and tell us what you know about Chicago. Okay, so um, I have a couple of things which I think are fact and a couple which I think are conjecture. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume it's probably set in Chicago. Okay. Um, I think it's, I'm about 99% sure it's a musical. Okay. Uh, I have heard the song Cell Block Tango as performed on Glee due to my younger sister's um, passing fad with that show. Uh, and I held captive to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it. Okay. And that would be the whole. That's all you know. Of my knowledge. I will confirm that it is a musical. Uh, that's uh, You're going to know that within, I would say, about two seconds of the film starting to play. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel that that's a spoiler. On that, account that, of that, the song. Same with Catherine Zeta-Jones, because I believe she's the one singing within yes. two seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like there's no spoiler action going on there to confirm musical and Catherine Zeta-Jones. So, well done there. I can confirm it's set in Chicago, and that is not going to help you any, but you are correct uh, <laughs> in, that, in that presumption based on the title of the film. Uh, that it is set in Chicago. I uh, have been to Chicago many times in my life. My uh, mother grew up there. My grandmother lived there until very late in her life. And I can say that uh, I don't recognize anything in the film. So Okay. So there's not much of a comparison. I'm not even sure that there's an... I don't even think they show an L train. That's usually how you establish (laughs) Chicago in movies, is you show an L train. Mm -hmm. I don't even... I don't think they showed an L train. So Mm. other than that, uh, yeah, you you know, you've, you've got the basics... Um, knowing it's a musical probably doesn't matter in the long run of learning of knowing the plot. Eh. Right? Right. Okay. Right. Uh so non spoilers. But, but this, it is a lot of fun. It is. Oh yeah. It's a I mean, lot so of fun. it tells you something I think pretty right away about the general rules of reality as it applies does. to the narrative. Because those I think are a little more flexible mm-hmm. for musicals. And, yes. And actually, this film uses some very interesting conventions when it comes to how it is a musical. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm going to say there. Well, that's and fine. Uh, then we'll then we'll move on and we'll watch it, and you'll you'll see maybe what I mean, or you'll be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Uh, now um, we should say this film won Best Picture. 2002. 2002. Which means it picked up the Oscar in 2003. Right. Yeah. So it was. It's Which a is, 2002, yes. It's a 2002 film, the one Best Picture, which might be the last musical to win a Best Picture Oscar. Mm. I'd have to go look at the list. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, None so come it, to mind. it is well thought of in the... Wait, what about La La Land? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic. Uh, <laughs> uh, it would. <laughs> it uh, it's the not the last uh, film to be announced as a best picture winner. Yeah, but uh, yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> 
Moonlight is a wonderful movie. Moonlight is a wonderful movie. We, we really should have watched La La Land at some point just to... Well, we still could, Tim. We still could. We've yeah. got... It's not like we're done. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're doing what we always do and talk about different movies. So mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do. We're going to go watch Chicago, and then we'll be back. And all I have to do is figure out which of the many songs from this film that I'm going to use for the transition music, but that's my problem, not yours. He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming. back many songs have been sung many killers have gotten off scot-free except for the innocent one who didn't and we have, that's the way it goes that is the way it goes that is the chicago way <laughs> indeed and we have watched <laughs> chicago so alexis this is your first time watching the movie what did you think I actually enjoyed it quite a bit, uh, which is interesting because musicals can be a hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I either will like really enjoy them or I really won't. And this <laughs> turned out to be one of the really enjoy them parts. Uh, and I am glad that I that I uh, ticked on the, the innocent one right. Right. Because uh, mm-hmm. that was the first thought I had was, oh, she didn't do it. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 um, in, the, in the cell block tango. The Hungarian right. woman, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because her scarf was white and all the rest of them were red. Uh-huh. Aha! Ding ding ding, 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 ding. Yes. And she's the only one who said she didn't do anything. Yeah, that's The true. others are like, well, I killed him, but it was, you know, completely. He had it coming. He had it coming. Um, yes, that is, that is uh, you know, I, I think, um, I, I quite enjoy musicals, but I do think that uh, the music is really the first thing. If you, if you don't like the music, it's just mm-hmm. not even, mm-hmm. it's not even worth your time. I really did enjoy the music in this one, uh, with the with the odd um, exception of the the one sequence with uh, John C. Riley. Really, that oh, sort of cellophane? that sort of resembled the the trailer for the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. In a way, <laughs> I didn't. Not wrong. I didn't necessarily all. appreciate. Yeah, but that, that wasn't his fault. Please re- recall a, that was oh. 15 years ago. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fair. Uh, he doesn't have a bad voice. Um, mm-hmm. It was the face I couldn't get past, and the one like upshot angle where there was the weird shadows, It was mm. that didn't do it for me. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, what they do here, and I think that uh, in, um, in classic musicals, everybody could kind of just accept that people broke out into song and dance, mm-hmm. but I feel like modern audiences don't, don't, really like that as much it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't fit our sensibility so what chicago does is it is it um makes the musical numbers fantasies kind of roxy hearts fantasy world of what's going on so that the numbers themselves make sense at least in the in the in the way the narrative is structured i think that makes it easier to Again, easier for a modern audience that isn't necessarily accustomed to musicals that haven't really been a big part of movies. And I think they they gave us a pretty clear indication that that's the narrative structure that they were going with, that it was her like sort of fantasy world that where the music was taking place because of that one cut scene like super early in the first number mm-hmm. where it was all Catherine Zeta-Jones and then for like four seconds it was her right. and then it was back to Catherine Zeta-Jones and we panned to her in the audience and I think that was a pretty clear indication to me that mm-hmm. that was how we were framing the musical numbers in this yeah from a directing standpoint that's really really smart what they do they're like oh by the way this is how it's going to work and then they do a lot of stuff with 
you know, if you're in the real world, the lighting is natural. Right. And the the settings are natural and then things become really, really different. I mean, just thinking about the way the, the prison changes from when Roxy gets into her cell to when the cell block ta- tango starts. Right. And like the prison bars themselves, they're kind of rusty and gray and then they turn really sharply black. And of course, then you've got the black and white motif within the red scarves. But mm-hmm. but the way the way that that uh, he really creates this atmosphere that goes, all right, right now is real, and right now is not. And you really you really quickly get that language, and that's really smart the way they do that in the first number of telling you here's uh, here's the language of this movie right right in the first five minutes mm-hmm. which also cues us into the fact that it's it's um renee zellweger's character that's the protagonist rather than Catherine zeta jones's too right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it puts us in her in her head immediately yeah whereas i, mean, really I point. super walked into this film thinking that Catherine zeta jones character was the protagonist i because she was the only like person that i knew was in it so right. i was like oh yeah. clearly she must be the big cheese here and at the uh, time, she was the bigger name. I mean, Zellweger was pretty big, but Catherine Zeta-Jones, at the time the film came out, was, was a bigger name. And so that was one thing that I actually wanted to ask about, um, because I was uh, I was very young when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what the like the celebrity landscape was like back then. And so obviously you have all of these names that are like huge now, like you have Lucy Liu in there. And obviously right. she was billed pretty high. So she must have been a pretty big star for the fact yeah. that she was only in it for two minutes. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't even know that was Richard Gere. I've heard his name, but I didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so he was obviously pretty big. But like people like Tay Diggs, who did, um, who I know from six seasons of Private Practice, the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. And so I was <laughs> super shocked to see him here. Um, so you had people like him and then Queen Latifah. I don't know how big were they at the time. This was like an all-star cast. Yeah. Okay. And- uh, uh, Renee Zellweger. Um, I'm trying to remember when Jerry Maguire happened. That was what 1996. It was a, it was a little bit before this. Yeah. When yeah. was Bridget Jones? Bridget Jones's diary was. I want to say was. Uh, I feel like that. I was will do it. my uh-huh. job and look this information <laughs> up. Yeah, I forgot to write that one down. But yeah, because um, I think that's Renee. Renee mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Renee Zellweger. Let me find my notes. Um, she started acting in high school, and in the 90s. Oh wow. Uh, she kind of started becoming recognizable. She was in Reality Bites. She was in Empire Records. She was. Uh huh. And then Jerry Maguire is where she became a big hit. Okay, that was, was a super mega hit. And I, I want to say it was nineteen ninety six. Was that call. ding ding ding? I remember. Was that, that was a, a television call. series or a movie? That was a movie. Okay. That's and Bridget movie? Jones's Diary was two thousand one. Okay. That back when. Uh, well, yeah, Tom Cruise and was Ice. No, wait. Oh, shit. Who was the guy who won the Oscar for Jerry Maguire? Tim. Who's the. Oh, that was. Uh, um, uh, oh, now you just totally baffled me because I was going to go look up <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones. Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding oh, Jr. Okay. It is, it is pronounced Cuba. Cuba. Is yeah. it really? Cuba. Uh, but you know, Azel Wigger also won uh, Best Actress, I believe it was for Cold Mountain. Supporting. Supporting actress, yes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, 
Bridget Jones' Diary, Chicago, big name right around this time. And same for Catherine Zeta-Jones. Now, Catherine Zeta-Jones started making movies in about 1990, but she was on the stage at age four. Wow, is she mm-hmm. a freaking scene stealer. Yeah, she is a tremendous force in this the movie. The presence that she has in, like, every scene that she was in, I didn't even really care about anything else that was going on. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to watch everything she was doing with her face. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about Zeta-Jones and Zellweger, Zellweger and Zeta-Jones, really, she kind of uh, came, her coming out was uh, The Mask of Zorro in 1998, which is Mm -hmm. a relatively poor Zorro film. Actually, for those of us who are paying attention, 1996, uh, The Phantom came out and she was eating every scene she was in because she was, she played the villain in in The Phantom. Is that Phantom? No, with Billy Zane in Purple Leotard. Okay. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing at all. It's not a good movie. <laughs> but um yeah, she but she was on stage for a long, long time. She was cast in a London production of Forty Second Street as the lead at age fifteen. Wow. So she comes from theater and uh You can tell. Yeah, and she's a triple threat. She can dance, she can sing. Uh, she was pregnant at the time of filming this. Was she really? Yeah. So that clearly that baby got like the wash and rinse cycle, rinse cycle on the insides <laughs> while doing some of these scenes. But yeah, it, it's a tremendous. And so noise. all of that singing like was them. Though. Yes. It wasn't. And none of it was like dubbed over. Or no, anything. None it of was it. all them. Wow. None of it. And uh, yeah, I would and, say that, you know, you look at this and you look at like the film history mm-hmm. and Zellweger technically should be the bigger star. But really, Zeta Jones was like. The bigger star, for I, for whatever reason, Zeta Jones was like much hotter at the time mm-hmm. in in the public consciousness. Zellweger was like, I think she was more known as an actress than Zeta Jones was. Yes, right. Zeta Jones was more known as a celebrity, and that that oh, also okay. had something to do with the fact that Zeta Jones and Michael Douglas were a power couple. Um, yeah, they got married in two thousand, so two years prior to this. Right, so okay. that's a big thing that she's now Michael Douglas. Her and Michael Douglas are married. They still are, which yeah. is you know weird. Um, <laughs> in Hollywood terms, that's yeah, forever. that's that's ancient marriage. Yeah, but uh, but th- so yeah, but the two of them were very very big. So yeah, it okay. is fair to it's still fair to go. Well, Zeta Jones, you look at Zeta Jones and she looks like a leading lady. Mm-hmm. She does, and she so carries that, herself like one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the fact. She looks very, she is very natural doing all the dance and all the singing. In fact, she wanted to have her hair short in a bob specifically for this movie because she didn't want it in her face to make sure people knew it was her dancing. They weren't doing Texas switches. Oh, wow. And uh, she was very proud of that. Well, it worked too. It was a good haircut for her. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful woman. That, the haircuts? Only thing that clued me into what? decade this yes. was <laughs> that's not uncommon. i was sitting there yeah. trying to figure out i'm sorry when is this again yeah and renee zellweger with the that weird the flapper haircut the flapper that she's got hair, going the, on the, the pasted to her head blonde thing but zellweger um it was very synchronized swimming in the she's she had to do voice training for about 10 months to do the film and even so zellweger kinda, did yeah so i was tell, yeah like zellweger not so much a natural singer but she's Doing, she's doing a lot of her singing performance through acting, which I really right. appreciate because she's doing that kind of Madonna, or not, Mad, Madonna uh, 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 Marilyn Monroe kind of sex right. kitten purring 
thing, and she's really doing it up, and she's great at it. But when she has to, with like, just a touch of trying too hard, which I think yeah. is, which I think is what they were going for. So I actually like the fact that that Zeta Jones was such like a scene stealer and such like a knockout presence, mm-hmm. really played into who their characters were. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I think. I mean, the movie makes it really clear. Roxy is not as talented. Right. And actually, they do a really good job at the end when she's having that, you know, fantasy moment of singing that that, that sultry song um, right. after, after, you know, she's no longer in the public eye. And then you see the audition. And and. When she's when it's in her head, she's she's very refined and very doing a really good job. And then then we see the audition, and she's like kind of okay, yeah. right, right. And her choreography is kind of lame, yeah, right. She's nothing special. She's nothing special. And I th- I think that they they do an excellent job of kind of showing you that that this is what she wants, but she's not that person. As opposed to. Zeta Jones, who, you know, the first thing we see is her on stage right. killing it. Mm-hmm. Killing it alone in a double act that nobody yeah. seems to mind the absence of the second person. Right. In. Like, I was super ready for that to be some sort of super awkward eat crow moment of everybody being like, yeah, but like, where's the other one? But mm-hmm. I didn't get the feeling from that scene at all that there was something missing from it. Mm-hmm. And boy, I remember watching this the first time in the theater and my, that, that first scene where she sings all that jazz, my jaw just dropped. It's like, okay, I'm right. in. I yeah. am so in. I had the I'm same response. Everything we actually is going to give we were, me. We were in the same theater. We were. When, and I, I had the same response. I was like, up, oh, in. And I, I in. remember we were sitting with our mutual friend, Wendy, who is uh-huh. uh, the choreographer and dancer and singer. Oh. And, and she, I just, like heard her drool hitting the floor. Right. (laughs) Right. It's like, okay, we're in for this. We're all in. You know, (laughs) while I'm thinking of that, the audition scene at the end and the way it sort of like snapped out of, it's what actually finally brought her down out of the clouds Mm -hmm. um, with that transition of, of directly from the, the dreamscape song to what was actually happening. My favorite part of that and what really like drove home exactly how kind of like a uh, moment this was, was, was actually Tay Diggs mm-hmm. because he has been in every single one of these like fantasy sequences announcing what's going on in this super grandiose like and now you're about to see something amazing way and he's always super well dressed and then you see him in the end as he is and he's only in this movie twice as an actual person rather than a figment of of Roxy's imagination right, right in the beginning and right at the end yep uh where he's like yeah it's it's just like that he's just a piano player and then he gets up and leaves Yep. Here's your music back. <laughs> right, where he's sort of <laughs> yeah. been this like, and now I have the pleasure of announcing mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that was what actually like drove that. So uh, one home. One interesting thing about Tay Diggs, and we should um uh, the the movie is obviously based on a stage musical. Mm-hmm. The stage musical originally was produced in the seventies. It was produced nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy five. It was created by Bob Fosse. Actually, Candor and Ebbs. Well, yeah. well, actually, the if I remember right, the idea for it was Gwen Verdon's, who is Bob Fosse's longtime partner, partner. Uh, who gets played, no credit for the for the creation of this show. Right. Of course, but why she would did, she? She did play Roxy Hart. Oh, in the original. That's production. interesting. And Cheetah Rivera played Velma, and. Um, Cheetah Rivera, you actually see her in the movie. Yeah, she's got a cameo in the movie. Does yeah. she? Yeah. When, when Big Mama Thornton's come, is it? Yeah, Big Mama's coming out. Uh, that 
that lead the up smoking to that woman next to the her. Smoking woman. Yeah. Because you both reacted to yeah. that, yeah. and I didn't Cheetah at all. Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> so she, yeah, she's that original, the original Velma. I uh-huh. saw her on stage do Kiss of the Spider Woman. It was like, oh wow. Yeah, it would be. It would be. She's pretty, pretty much electrifying. Yeah, and she has this like smoke ten cigar, ten packs of cigarettes a day sort of voice, but she can really right, like She's a amazing. Johnny Cash kind of oh, yeah. thing. She's yeah, amazing. <laughs> so this play, this musical, uh huh, is based on a play that was written in the I mean nineteen twenties approximately. Yeah, I actually have that written um, down. Let me was about it? about yeah. and about two real women, not yes. actually named. Not named Roxy Hart. Oh wow, and, really? And Velma. I've What's got Velma's last? About them. Oh, there you go. Go yeah. for it. Okay, so uh, the play was in 1926, which was. I am going to get back to Tay Diggs. By the way, I, I am, oh, I'm, I'm tracing. Back I'm to curious that. as to what the yeah. link is. Okay, so 1926, the play was written. Sure. 27, a movie called, I believe, Roxy Hart was made from the play. I think the movie, the first movie was Chicago, and the second movie was Roxy Hart. You might be. I right. got to look that up. 1942. I the love film a, was called Roxy Hart. a movie that takes like six Pokemon evolutions to reach where it is. Yes, kind of amazing. <laughs> and then Broadway musical in 1975. Okay. And then the. Broadway musical had a huge revival in the mid '90s. It was right. actually more successful which, which is than the rare. original run. And then, uh, following that '90s revival, that's how this movie got funded. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it all kind of sort of the same the kind of thing that happened with like Rent and Company. Kind of interestingly enough, uh, Rob Rent Marshall, has a nice connection here. Yeah, Rob Tay Marshall, Diggs, who was the director also. of this movie. Not, well, yes, also Tay Diggs. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Rob Marshall, who directed Chicago, the movie that we just watched, was originally contracted to do an adaptation of Rent. Interesting. And then this project rolled up and he decided to do that. Oh, wow. So they were both sort of happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh. So then uh, the connection of Tay Diggs is that Tay Diggs was in the revival of Chicago. Was he? On stage. Yep. And he's one of the, there are a couple other oh, actors in smaller roles. Yeah. But Tay Diggs is one of the actors that they transitioned from the stage play to uh-huh. the film. Um, and I am looking up the- That the, doesn't always work out. No. It doesn't. <laughs> although it's very common. Tay Diggs common. is great. Yeah, he Tay is, Diggs yeah. is amazing. Uh, and and you should watch Tay Diggs and whatever you can find him in. Yeah, I, I, w- I was I was super confused when I, I every time I see him somewhere that's not like the Grey's Anatomy spinoff, I'm instantly confused <laughs> because once I watch an actor in a role first, that's who they are forever. Mm-hmm. And so seeing him crop up and start singing in Rent, I'm like, I'm sorry, you can sing. <laughs> And he can, which was kind of underutilized in this one. He can sing. He doesn't really sing in this at all. And he's got some pipes. He just introduces, which is nice. In a very competent way, but... Yeah, it's like Idina Menzel in, uh, in in Enchanted. Yeah, right. You're like, what the hell are you doing? What are you? Yeah, how like do you have her Broadway here and she's not singing? Of the last decade, and she That's doesn't get a right. song. She was what in is, that. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, she is. She is, and you're just like, what's going on? She doesn't get a song. It's like putting Gwen Verdon in a movie and not having her dance. Right. It just doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it, My biggest moment of excuse me, they can sing for this was definitely John C. Riley. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, oh wow, he's not actually bad. Mm-hmm. No, he's not at all. 
He, it, I mean, I, you know, I know you didn't like Mr. Sa- I really like that song because the, there are really only two likable characters in this movie. It was the makeup. I couldn't just, I just couldn't yeah. do it. And the, yeah. the weird upshot of the shadows. And it was just, it, I think it was because I saw like Godzilla in theaters like two days ago. Uh. And that, and that, uh, the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker trailer played before it. Oh, and I was like, no. So just the clown makeup and the upshot <laughs> on his face as he just sort of like danced around was a little bit too. John C. Much Riley like that is a big fan of clowns and clowning. Is he? He actually designed okay. his own makeup for his role. In oh this. boy! Yeah, so he was very excited to. Play well, at this least role. he's doing something he likes in life. Yes. <laughs> Roxy Hart, by the way, was the later later of the two adaptations okay. of the play Chicago. That was in 1942. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, anyway. That that's just doubling back, um, and sometimes you can find it in the cheap movie bin, like for a dollar. I love those on, on DVD. <laughs> for for me, the revelation in this because I never really was that impressed with his ability as an actor. I mean, I thought he was fine, but not not like super super great. Was was Richard, Richard Gere. Gere? Yeah, it was just like the first time he comes in and he's and he's singing and he's dancing. I'm like, damn, yeah, he's dude's good. dude's got some skills. I really do believe this is the first thing I've ever seen him in. Hmm. That could be. So he's been in a lot of things that I think are boring. And I have a tendency. I have a tendency uh, to not watch movies that are older than I am. And I feel like most of his his heyday was probably before my time. That is true. Definitely. Yeah. True. Yep. He was a eighties heartthrob. That'll do it. Actor. Yeah. Yep. So this American is gigolo and such. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. an, an officer and a gentleman. Okay. See that um, title I've heard of, and I've definitely mm-hmm. heard his name around enough to see the name and go, "Oh, that was him." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I don't think I've ever seen him in anything yeah. except for yeah. this now. And he he was certainly impressive as this is just, you know, the biggest sleaze ball of the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I mean he he was working pretty consistently through the 90s, Chicago was a little bit of a little bit of a rebirth for him. Uh-huh. I mean, but on the other hand, he's been he's been working. He works constantly. I'm just looking. Is he his... still in, is he still alive? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to put he my foot still in still alive. So is he still like in being cast and stuff then? Yeah. Huh. His most recent credit was Mother Father Son TV series 2019. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's around. Well, he keeps busy. Good for him. But most of the the big starring stuff was definitely in the 80s and early 90s. Gotcha. Um he he's an interesting fellow. He he um he actually started on the stage too. He he kind of came into fame on the stage. In a, I believe it's a, it was a London revival of Greece. <laughs> a London revival yeah, of yeah, Greece. Yeah, like he was cast as. Uh, that seems Zuko. like such an American. And he's musical. definitely American. And he's, he's not very, English. That I don't he's know why American. they would have it in London. I don't I mean, think I don't it's their speed. If I were offered a job in London, I'd go. I, for it. I, I that's don't know. true. They, Hamilton's playing in London right now. Oh, that true. That's a, about as. Uh, it's it's interesting though because like just I don't know something about like the cultural air of Greece. Mind you, I've seen Greece once when I was about 13 years old, and I don't remember most of it. That's but the okay. feeling yeah, of it, really it is, is way more like hardcore American, I feel, than even something like Hamilton, which is about American history. Greece mm-hmm. is pretty hardcore it's, American. It's just, You're not just the whole, the Greaser culture, I don't think it could have happened anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And perhaps should not have happened anywhere else. <laughs> Who's <Fair>. to say? <laughs> yeah, fair. But uh, anyway, Gear right. came into... Uh, the attention of the movie going public because he was in uh, Looking for Mr. Goodbar in the late 1970s, okay. which is a movie that kind of hit hard and then went away <laughs> fairly quickly. As some do. <laughs> but 
shortly after that, he he started taking time, like going to Tibet and traveling Nepal Interesting. and following monks and and so every once in a while you see him in a Japanese movie huh. and it's very very jarring like he he was in it's like where's Waldo but yeah stranger oh the weirdest the weirdest one the weirdest one I swear he was in Akira Kurosawa's second to last movie in 1991 it was called Rhapsody in August and it's about a family dealing with the history of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, wow. And, and it's this family drama. And they go, oh, my cousin's coming in. Uh, who He's been living and in it's America. Richard and it's Gere. Richard Gere. Oh, my God. There is no way this Japanese family produced Richard Gere at any point. But there he is. Well, <laughs> you know, these yeah. things just happen sometimes. And I, we don't ask too many questions. I, yes. And he was, uh, for a while, he was banned from the Oscars. Because was he? He wound up on stage during the 1993 Oscars for something. I can't remember what. And he he used used it as a pulpit to make very strong anti-China comp comments oh wow and they cut the feed and he was as in like the, the as in the the uh chinese government's invasion of of the area or uh, was that to recognize tibet as a wild as a, as a sovereign nation a yeah sovereign. oh man so he was using the oscar stage yeah. as like a pulpit against chinese imperialism yeah right which That's wasn't nuts. good because of oh, oh no, well, no i mean i mean don't get me wrong it's yes. absolutely good but uh it wasn't from the good perspective of the american government from the perspective of the movie industry that wants to make right money in china. yeah oh um, yep so mm-hmm. they, they they certainly <laughs> didn't want anybody talking about anti-china oh stuff i'm sure on their stage when there are all sorts of people in china watching the oscar Oscars, yeah, including the Chinese government, Man, which is the, going to buy their films the, and uh, promote their films throughout their country. And it's a there's a lot of money in China. Oh yes, man. And, the Oscars stage has been hijacked a couple of times. It oh, has been like uh, I, I That's like what the makes with it fun. I, I don't remember if it was the Oscars, or the Academy Awards, or whatever that said Sheen Littlefeather. Yeah. yeah, that was the Oscars. Yeah, that was the Oscars. For, mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was that she was that she accepted a award on behalf, on behalf of. behalf of Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, that's mm-hmm. right, because he declined, and that was during the, the takeover of Alcatraz. So it was mm-hmm. uh, a huge, interesting, it's, I don't know, yeah, I love yeah, that were, stuff. There, 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 there I love that like stuff. A, a streaker running across Where, the stage at one there? point. Yes. There was, yep. That, that. And, they, uh, and they gave Michael Moore an Oscar one year just so he could say things. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah. That, that's <laughs> oh, what they he did. did. He, oh, did. he did. He did. Um, oh, and there was one year where the writers were on strike, so all of the people oh, had to write their man. own. Oh man. I think it was 1987 or something. Oh like that. no. And they let Robin Williams on stage <gasps> without a pre. Oh my god. <laughs> I just, I just want to watch that for its own sake. It's and yeah, so it's, it's a shame these days, you know. Everything is so often. scripted, and um, so Never Chicago won a couple of awards. Chicago did, not? did it won it, it won, won Best six, Picture. It won, it won six, six Oscars, Oscars and was nominated for more Best Picture, Best Actress. That's insane. Catherine Zeta Jones. Yep, she deserved uh, that. Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing were the six, and it there were it uh, nominations for a few more. Yeah, uh, Renee Zellweger, John C. Riley, Queen Latifah. Were all nominated. The only one who wasn't nominated was Richard Gere, which I think is something of an That's upset because he was great in this movie. Right. They, they all were. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really all were. All the leads are fantastic. They really were. Um, My God, I love 
Queen Latifah in this movie. So best much. directing, best writing, cinematography, and the cinematography, again, is fantastic. Because, again, you mm-hmm. look at the way so much of what they do with lighting. Well, I had an interesting thought early on about, like, and it persisted through the movie about the decisions that they made with regards to facelessness. Mm-hmm. And the moments where they chose to hide somebody's face versus yeah. when they chose to show it to us, because we don't see Catherine Zeta Jones's face until she shows up on screen, right? Or I mean, on the on the stage when she turns around, and in the scene during uh, Cell Block Tango, um, the the like extra dudes who they're uh, murdering during the sequence, we don't really see their faces especially right. often. Right. Uh, and it's, there's definitely a lot of moments during the film where they're very strategically do not show us somebody's face, mm-hmm. but they'll show us everything that they're doing with their body and everything that's going on around them and the people around them's reaction to them. Yeah. But they won't show us their face. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, so much of this film is a rumination on on publicity right it's like because you, you watch it and it's like nobody in this film is a good person i mean roxy is a murderer and you, you can kind of kind of sympathize a little bit because the dude's an asshole except that you find out that roxy isn't any better also you know asshole isn't necessarily an executable crime right right True. it's one would hope not um <laughs> given so given dead. how many, we'd all yeah, be pretty we'd both all be, be pretty, pretty screwed dead. at that point <laughs> so so none of these characters are are decent people but it's such such a interesting look at fame and how right. fame changes our ideas about a person and that as soon as Roxy becomes famous uh-huh. it doesn't matter whether she's guilty or not I also think it's interesting how um and I don't know if this is I don't know if this is going to hit for anybody but me or if it was anything they were doing deliberately but um the way that that the the movie played on this idea of like fame and on people wanting somebody to have like as America's darling or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of had us in moments where I kind of caught myself a couple of times being like trying to hop, skip and jump around and find my capital G good guy to root for. Right. Where like, I almost found myself like buying into it a couple of times when they were giving Roxy's story and she was like acting and then she'd turn around and she'd say something super snotty to somebody and it broke the, the illusion of like, Oh, Oh, I'm falling for it too. Yeah. That's not good. So well done. And Richard Gere, especially like he was a slime ball, but there were so many moments in that movie where I found him so effusively charming. Uh huh. It was really frightening. I know. He's when he, when he's like, he's a charmer at the the beginning of the trial. He's being so nice to her. Exactly. You know, and, and you, you forget that he's just doing it because he doesn't want to lose. Right. And he does it. And the losing. scene with the diary where it shows that he's the one that, that fabricated it and right. uh, everything. That was really like a yeah, that that drove that whole thing. And even even home. even Amos, who I think is moderately likable, is right. still an idiot. Oh, oh mean, yeah, he's no. So dumb. You're just like, dude, just leave her already. Right, <laughs> right. His his so much his off. his greatest sin is buffoonery, but boy yes. does he take it to a great degree. <laughs> yes. He does. He does. Yes. He's 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 got a lot of buffoonery, but but he is essentially the only likable character I along did... with along with the one innocent character in the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, and you got to I I I spent so much time of like her narrative like wondering how much of what happened with her was due to a language barrier. A lot too, because because like I'm because I'm like watching that and I'm like, man, you're stuck in an American court system where they're having to spin all of these like pretty stories, which actually struck. Uh, I'm a legal student. 
Mm. Uh, and so all of that stuff that they were talking about with the trial and about like none of this is going to matter unless you can make them like you is so true to so much that I've read of like how the actual like play out of court cases work where being like a trial lawyer is half law and half acting because if you can't tell them a good story nobody's going to care if you can't give them a narrative that they can follow from A to B to C then you you can have like all of the all of the evidence on your side that you want but it's not going to matter unless you can turn it into a story that the jury can follow which is you know Partially just how people's brain works, where we like can't understand anything until we can tell ourselves a story about it. But it's it's we also so much want to be swayed by the the narrative mm-hmm. um, that if you don't have one, you're screwed. It's the razzle dazzle. Exactly, exactly. And in fact, the the Hungarian woman was based on a real case. I recommend looking up the case of uh, Sabella Nitti who in Chicago was uh, sentenced to be hanged in 1923. Um, she was Italian. Oh, wow. Very likely innocent. Um, barely spoke any English. They had a lot of problems communicating with her. Uh, Jeez. Yeah, and so she was on trial for murder. She was sentenced to be hanged. And then uh, this female lawyer... Uh, was started paying attention to her case and then picked up the appeal huh. and got her off. Wow. Basically through doing a makeover on this woman. Wild. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, that's so first, gross. Yeah. When so... she, when she first appeared at court, she was, you know, just this kind of haggard right. woman, you know, like dirt under her fingernails, uh, just a working woman at the time. Right. And was not quote presentable for a court, mm-hmm. court of law. And then when, she came back for the Court of Appeals. You know, they cleaned her up a little bit and they finally found a way to communicate her because she wasn't just Italian. She w- spoke in this really strange dialect that nobody Oh, no. Really right. So even if they could get a translator and a translator that spoke legalese at that. Right. They right. probably still have a problem with the, the dialect. Yeah. The other thing with the, with the Hungarian woman was that there was a scene, and I, ah, I can't remember which scene it was, but there was this huge montage. I think it was during the razzle-dazzle number um, where you see a woman on like a trapeze or something who is dressed up like Justice with the scales and the blindfold. Oh, yeah. I think that was her actress. It might have been. It probably is. I think that was her actress I, in the scene. I've never noticed that, but I'm totally willing with the to scales, believe that you are correct. Who is dressed up as Lady Justice. And I was like, oh, that's got to be her, right? Because she has a really distinctive face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I either... Now i got to go back and look. I, I think that was her in that scene. I'm willing to accept that as canon. I like that. I like yeah. that story. Because it made <laughs> sense. It made sense <laughs> yeah. from a, such a fun Easter egg in the back backs of that scene. Mm-hmm. Now i got to look that up. All right. I'm going to look that up. Okay. Now, uh, Melissa, what, what other facts do you need to share with us about this movie before we, well, we, we move on to final thoughts? First of all, say this was written by Bill Condon, who we talked about last episode. Uh, he was a gentleman who wrote uh, Gods and Monsters, which was our previous movie. But also the director of this movie is Rob Marshall, and this was his first <laughs> feature film. Was it really? Mm-hmm. His first feature film. Yeah, in he Chicago. was a long-time Broadway guy. Oh my Which God. is probably honestly why he didn't win the Oscar for yeah. best director. It's like no way this young upstart gets his. Yeah. Gets a, right. A, you a, have Oscar to. You have to walk your box. path yeah. and earn your dues and or damn whatever. Straight. Damn straight. I butchered all of those colloquialisms just yeah. there. He was like a dancer in Cats until like he got a herniated disc. He had oh to my God. quit dancing. He became a choreographer on stage and then eventually a director on stage. He has 
several Tony nominations. He choreographed Kiss of the Spider Woman, Damn Yankees, a bunch of stuff in the 90s. Sure. Uh, she Loves Me, and then finally the revival of Cabaret. And then, um, you know, then he turned to movies. So... This and this was his one. first feature this film. This was his first feature film. Wow. And then he went on to do like Nine and Into the Woods and most recently Mary Poppins Returns. I have not seen any of those yeah. movies, but I will All musicals. take your word for them that they're pretty impressive. <laughs> All musicals. Uh, I am going to say I've, of I've looked it up. degrees of quality. I am going to say I've looked it up. Lady Justice is not credited. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know. I'm, it's I'm, just, I'm it was just that you scene as... of her in the background where I was like, I swear to God, unless I'm totally making this up, it looks, it, it was you, the nose. It might be, but I still It was the you. nose and the mouth and I think mm-hmm. the mole that it, she had. It very well mm-hmm. could be. Yeah. So I totally think that was her in that scene. <laughs> I believe you. That, that's a good head cannon to have. Yeah. And also, I, I figure since I looked all this up, the uh, other people who this movie was based on, Balula Annan was uh, the basis for Roxy Hart. I can sort of see why they changed the name on that one. <laughs> Lula. Easier to say. Uh, she was uh, having an affair with a guy she met at the laundry. Uh, she okay. shot the guy in the bedroom, pretty much what well, we saw in the movie. She watched him die over the period of about four hours. Oh, while my God. music over and over again and drinking cocktails. You gotta at that point. You just gotta get just like zorked out of your skull. Like, well, this may as well happen. And sure enough, her husband funded the lawyer. Oh my god! And stood by her the entire time. Oh, that poor schmuck. Shortly after she got off, Uh um, she divorced him. Uh And then she remarried somebody else. And then promptly caught tuberculosis and died. Okay. At age twenty-eight. Yep, that'll do it. Now, Belva Gartner, who was the basis of Velma, yep. was a cabaret singer. Uh, she was married and divorced three times by the time she met a guy named Walter Law, who was married not to her and had a child. Oh. Uh, he was found dead in Gartner's car with a gun and gin, a bottle of gin. Well. And uh, Gartner was found in her apartment with a pile of bloody clothes. Oh, that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah, and she said she had been driving, but she blacked out and doesn't know what happened after that. Right. I don't remember a thing. I don't remember a thing. And then uh, she was acquitted and, you know, Wild. went along happily with her life. Well, presumably. Uh, and this happily. was all in the 1920s or this was, uh, 1924? The, oh, okay. Those cases 1924. Happened. Wow. Yeah, so when the play was written, it was like ripped from the headlines, 1926, just two years. It was after. really easy to get away with crime. <laughs> <laughs> the early nineteen Italian woman who didn't speak, English. or you know, probably a person of color. Yeah, but probably anyway, true. In which yeah, case, you're pretty oh well screwed. Yeah, uh, but pretty Belva blonde Gardner, girls though. Belva Gardner lived uh, until age eighty. She died wow. of natural causes in 1965. That's freaking impressive right? for somebody who was born before the turn of the century. Right? Yeah, she was doing all right. Wow. Meanwhile, well done. The, meanwhile, the very first woman executed in Illinois was Elizabeth Reed. She was hanged in 1845 for poisoning her husband with arsenic. Well, yep. some guys just can't hold their like arsenic. arsenic. I did really, really appreciate all of like the artistry of the scarves in that oh, number yeah. of oh, the yes. use of that was just chilling in a really impressive so way. So Black Tango that, whoever is one, did of the that best, was one of the best musical numbers in any film. Uh-huh. That is so iconic. I've seen it done over and over and over again and with the same in- imagery. It is so... When you see it, that's it. That, right. That is the imagery of the cell Black Tango and there's nothing else in your head. Yeah. I, I, I think if you if you... 
there are a lot of great musical numbers in, uh-huh. in film. I think this has that Cell Block Tango easily, if you're doing a top 10 list, it would be in there. Oh, yeah. It would probably I, be high on the list. I, I think it would be very high. The on Scarves the list. does it for me. Like, even if with all of the rest of it, it was a good number, the Scarves oh, yeah. really did it, especially yeah. with the one white scarf of like, oh, oh no. Oh, shit. Yes. That's a, that's a, that's a, oh no. Mm-hmm. It's very <laughs> nicely done. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are almost up to uh, our final thoughts point, but I need to check, Melissa, if you have anything else you need to share before we get there. No. Pretty good with final thoughts. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to get to final thoughts. Alexis, you get the first one because you're our, our newbie. So what's your final thought on Chicago? Okay, final thought on Chicago. Um, really, really good indictment of celebrity culture in America. Mm, mm-hmm. Isn't it, though? It was the, the uh, if, there was a, if there was a guilty verdict on anybody in this movie, it was on the American press. A little bit. A little bit, especially with the... Specifically tabloid journalism surrounding trials. Especially with the puppet number. Oh my God, (laughs) the puppet number. I love the puppet number so much. Was as transparent as cellophane. The gun, the gun, the gun, they both reach for the gun. Yeah, very nice. (laughs) Melissa, what's your final thought? So producer Martin Richards had Catherine Zeta-Jones cast because he once heard her singing Christmas carols at a party. (laughs) (laughs) When you know, you know. When you know, you know. It's like, oh. She can sing. That's fantastic. And when she was brought on to audition, um, she was originally being considered for Roxy Hart. And she goes, no, 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 no. no, no. I want to sing all that jazz. I don't care which role it is. I want to <laughs> sing all that jazz. Yeah, it was literally. I cannot she, see her as anything but the role she played right. in there. It doesn't. It she's make a sense. little bit too much of a, she's too much of a knockout, honestly, to play mm-hmm. Roxy. It does. Right. It does. Yeah, she. She's too good. She's, yeah, she's it's literally too good. good. She's too good. And, she's too good to play the lead. It just doesn't make sense. Um, okay, so my final thought, as usual, is the absurd one, which is, uh, you know, at the end of the film, all those people paid a lot of money for a really short show. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, they sing the end of a song, and then they shoot up a wall of light bulbs, and they're done. Yep. Yep. That's it. I, I have a real problem with that. No, you're right. I don't think it's fair, but, I mean, if you're making $1,000 a week off it, go you. So <laughs> get it. Whatever works for you. So that has been Chicago. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was uh, awesome. I'm glad you did. Uh, up next, we are going to do another Best Picture winner that is not a musical, but, but is about is. music. It is, but it isn't, but it, it is. is. We are going to watch Amadeus. Yeah. So we will be back next time with that. Stick around or don't stick around. It's not going to be for another couple of weeks. You probably have things to do. We'll be back. Bye. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.